Happy Valentine's Day, Draft Crafters. It's Dan, it's JP, and we are here with our first love, and that's football. And of course, you're also going to spend time you know, with the wifey later, JP. So we're making sure oh, you're that trying we, to get we me check in trouble. the bases. First love's wife, first love's wife. <laughs> no, best love is wife, but you loved football before you loved your wife. That's fair. All right, then. Making sure we're clear on that. Yeah. By no means am I trying to suggest that you love football more than your wife. I, I want to continue this show, and I do not want her to cut me when I see her next. So, yes, mm-hmm. no. She's number one, but football was first, as she should be, because you started loving football. What age do you think you started loving football at? Uh, I think, it, dude, as early as I can possibly remember, because I loved playing it. The only thing that right. I know for sure are two things. One, I had a mm-hmm. strange obsession with, because I didn't have a computer when I was a kid, and I remember I had a little notebook that I wrote down all the Jerry Rice's stats, play by play <laughs> through the game, and tracked them on my own, because mm-hmm. I was that level of nerd. Right. Um, but I, I know that 1998 was like when I fell in love, like with the draft and it was a blend mm-hmm. of Charles Woodson and Randy Moss. And it was a blend of the Madden games when the franchise and the ownership mm-hmm. modes came out and, you know, how you could kind of build your roster. And I just became obsessed right. with that. Here's what I can tell you, man. I understand that. For me, it was, I want to say somewhere around eight or nine years old. And the reason why I know that is one year for Christmas, I got a book and I'm trying to give you an idea of how big that book was right there of all of the stats, like all mm-hmm. of the stats, they counted stats from the merger through like 1992 or something like that in 1990, somewhere in that ballpark. And it was just, it, I read that. I read that like someone would read an encyclopedia or a dictionary. That's the level of ridiculousness oh, I got nobody, into. With that nobody kind of reads those other two books you just mentioned. <laughs> they might read the, the first one. Okay, that. they might read pieces of it, right? But that's the whole point. So it's like, that, that's that's where we're coming from to this. So first love, football, right? But again, you love your wife more than football. We agree. Uh, especially way, you love... Oh, right. I, we, got, we got a monologuing. I was, I was getting didn't warm. Even think about that. It was fair. Cheers. Because, you know, hey, Valentine's Day, might as well have a beverage. You got to do it. That being said, we're talking about both of these, which are very different, mine and yours, uh, when we get to the halftime break. Mm. But the other thing we need to talk about the transition I was going to make that you love your wife a lot more than what happened over the weekend, there was a Super Bowl that happened. And I feel yeah, like we have to talk a little bit about that. Not long, a couple minutes, just to give perspective on things. The Chiefs are, are you know, the champions again. Good for them, finding a way to overcome the, the man who now has one of the most, uh, I guess, dis- Want least wanted ignominious, whatever word you want to use for not wanting something to be attached to you. But Kyle Shanahan has now lost two overtime Super Bowls. The only man to coach and lose. Now he was the offensive coordinator uh, for the Atlanta uh, New England one, but still, this guy has had. He's getting the moniker, and I don't think this is necessarily the truth. But he's getting the moniker as a guy who can't win big games. Yeah, it's dude. This I just want to say the storylines behind the Super Bowl are like crazy. You knew there's gonna be the mm-hmm. obvious one. The, the clickbait and try to generate right. buzz and stuff of, is Mahomes going to catch Brady in rings? I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, my gosh, you guys. Okay. I knew that was coming if they won, but, like, let's pump the brakes for a second. Sure, maybe <laughs> he can, but, like, you're right. too early on it, I think. But, um, yep. man, the storylines from this Super Bowl, like, I watched it, and, like, my main thing was, wow, the, the, the Packers had the 49ers beat until the Packers beat the Packers. Then mm-hmm. the Lions had the 49, 49ers beat, so the Lions beat the the Lions. 
Right. It's like, and then the Niners had the Chiefs beat until the Niners beat the Chiefs. <laughs> Why do I feel like every team nearly that was winning throughout the playoffs was not the best team on the field? It was just, I don't know. Mm-hmm. That was my storyline. But, man, it sure. just got dominated for me. Like, I felt terrible for Dre Greenlaw being so excited to get mm-hmm. out there. The Achilles tear. And then did you hear the rumors about Nick Bolton? No, what was that? Dude, in the game, he tore, like, the ulnar or whatever ligament in his arm. The UCL, yeah. Allegedly didn't tell anybody, just kept playing. And then he got so excited, so he's been partying Mm -hmm. since he won the Super Bowl. Still hadn't, like, seeked out treatment. Now his arm looks like a leg. I believe that. I'm sure he's uh, uh, inflamed and uh, swollen beyond belief. But I'm also sure that he wasn't aware that he had torn something no, he probably just thought he hurt nuts. himself and mm-hmm. even after the past couple of days ah, i'm hurt i don't got to play i got a whole off season and he's like damn well, this that's really thing, hurts like, to see a doctor like yeah you tore this man mm-hmm. and that's the injury that in baseball is like tommy john surgery so that's right. the thing that he's gonna have to go through so hopefully it's something he can recover from obviously football is very different from how he's going to be using his arm and the motions and everything so hopefully you know that'll be a quick enough recovery here's what i will tell you uh, out of all of the storylines that came out of that obviously over the top i thought the halftime show was decent uh it was really funny that i was watching it with a i bunch liked of people it who other than recognize. the outfits looked like dodgeball well, yeah, it, it was hilarious. I love to see that. And mm-hmm. they look, the dude has a residency in Vegas. Of course, they're going to have some wild outfits. But he brought in all kinds of fun cameos. I still don't know what CeeLo Green was doing out there, but he seemed happy to be there, so that was great. When has <laughs> CeeLo Green ever not seemed happy? True. That is one of the things I appreciate about that, man. He does usually seem like he's in a good mood all the time. But uh, So that the other thing that I will, I got a little bit of respect for Taylor Swift during this Super Bowl. Did you see the video of her chugging a beer and slamming it? I did. Everybody's seen that. That was, was I, great. I was saying she did a great job. It wasn't it wasn't like world record setting or anything, but she did a great job of nailing it, slamming it down, and keep rolling. Points to her for that. And it's not her fault that they, they cover him and her as much as they do, but that's the one demographic that, f- that football's never been able to catch is the, what, 14 to 30-year-old female. So game on, I guess. So again, Kansas City Chiefs, good for you. We're not talking about them in the context of being champions. We're talking about them in the context of who they're going to pick at the end of the first round. And to help with that, we're going to give them some advice and ideas of who they should talk about with the interior defensive line because, spoiler alert, they might need somebody there if Chris Jones, they can't work out a contract with him. Uh, yeah, you're going to go ahead and cue me up with your usual question of who just missed the well, cut? why not? Let's do that because i got a handful of those guys as well. Well, I, put, I specifically put a guy at 13 because I, mm-hmm. well, I don't know what to do with him yet. I don't even okay. know how to say his last name. It's okay. Justin Abogibi. That's hilarious. I've got yeah, him at 13 as well. Yeah, I just put. I don't know what to do with him yet. I feel like he's more a D lineman, but be. he's also like six five and like two ninety or something well, like and that. And PFF has him listed as an edge. I know. So he's uh, he another one of those guys. Around and I just mm-hmm. had, I haven't watched enough tape to put him in a spot. I lean D sure. line, but I'm just kind of putting him here for now, and he's mm-hmm. subject to change later. But I will say. Yep. I was uh, quite surprised. For some reason, I expected McKinley Jackson to miss my list, despite others being higher on him mm-hmm. than I am. I did not expect him to be in there. But the three that I thought had a shot were, were uh, Michael Hall Jr. from Ohio State and then two of the mm-hmm. LSU D linemen, Makai Wingo and Mason Smith, both missed it. Okay, here's what I will tell you. You are absolutely wrong on Makai Wingo, and we'll talk about him later. <laughs> but uh, I And Michael Hall Jr. just made my list, so we'll talk about him in a little bit too. But yeah, Mason Smith, 
is on the top or towards the top of a lot of people's list. Not number one, but he's like top five, six for a lot of people. And I don't personally see that. I think they're just seeing the size and getting seduced by it. So he's kind of sitting about 16 for me. McKinley Jackson, the same spot. Marcus Harris and Gabe Hall are two other guys that I need to do a little more digging on. They might end up jumping into the back end of it, but I don't know. I don't know, man. There's Here's what I see. I see a couple guys I really like. Probably the first, I don't know, five, six guys I really like. The next five, six guys, are there's questions. And then from 12 to like even 24 are a bunch of guys I'm intrigued about that I have no clue where they're going to end up. It's kind of, it's a fun class for the D-line. That's interesting. I feel like there's only like maybe two guys I don't have questions about. I like, I like the D-line class a lot. Now I feel like I'm like, I'm interested a lot. (laughs) Intrigued, if you will. We'll see how all these guys test when it comes to combine. But before the combine, why don't you start us off number 12? Uh, number 12 for me, I blanket put this guy here because I'm just going to be honest with everybody. I, I love this guy on paper. I asked you a couple days ago to see if you could find any actual footage on him. Um, mm-hmm. so far I, I'm still unsuccessful. I saw a couple I'm, highlights. Yeah, a couple. That's it. But I'm, I can't rank a guy based. I, I found stuff, but not enough to mm-hmm. give him an accurate ranking, but I just, mm-hmm. I just went in. I'm going to put him at 12 until I know more. So sure. subject to change, I highly doubt he'll stay here. He'll probably go up or down, but it's it's Christian Boyd. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's the Northern Iowa Panther. So He just was size too. Ex- well, I just put him here. Uh, 6'4", <laughs> 317. Mm-hmm. Love the size. Moves well. Uh, moves, moves well, well from what I can tell, yeah. Um, but, I mean, I'm looking at it, I mean – he he played very well. I think I because I, mm-hmm. I couldn't find tape on him. I did right. write his numbers down here. His defensive grade was eighty eight. His run two years defense, in a row. Yeah, his run defense is stellar too. The, is at an eighty four. His pass defense, if you round up, is an eighty eight overall. Was mm-hmm. just a little over an eighty eight. So I had to go to PFF on him for P. I had an extra right. F right there. But um, <laughs> I had to because I didn't have a ton of tape to go on. But I mean, dude, mm-hmm. he's got. It's only three sacks, but 28 hurries and that size moving and grooving and grading out well. Like I say, on paper, mm-hmm. I really like him. I don't I don't know what else to say. I right. can't and again, find he enough. Is, right. He's an FCS guy, though, so there's question marks people are going to have there, even though he played at one of the better programs in the FCS, generally as far as turning out talent with Northern Iowa. So that's obviously something in his favor. But, uh, you know, one of the things you were probably hoping is that you could see some of him at the Combine. Guess who didn't get invited to the combine? I know. Today. I'm frustrated, so I don't know mm-hmm. how or what's going to happen with them until his pro day. Yeah, and the, and I don't know how Northern Illinois if they're going to do a pro or Northern Iowa rather I don't know either. pro day, or if he's going to have to drop down and like go to Iowa or Iowa State's pro day. Uh, we'll have to keep an eye on him when that all plays out. So number twelve well, for me is what, a guy that if nobody ever gives us any information, he doesn't get a pro day or a combine or any of that. He's going to be a day that I'm pounding the or a day a guy that I'm pounding <laughs> the table for on day seven. Or UDFA or Day something. Day seven, yeah. He should go way higher than that. Or round seven. Right. Round See, I'm seven. so frustrated. I, I can't talk. <laughs> exactly. Well, I'm going to talk about Braden Fisk. Fisky, I'm not sure how you want to say his name. From Florida State, 6'5", 297. And oddly, he seems bigger than that when he plays. Like, there's just something about the man that looks like he looks like a barrel out there to an extent. It looks like he's more like 310 or 315. But he is a guy that came, uh, he had a good season. Uh, after playing at Western for Western Michigan, rather for five years, pretty much. Uh, so he's a super senior. There's no doubt about that. Older guy, but uh, had eight sacks last year at Western. Followed up with six sacks this year at Florida State. So it shows that he can still play uh, even at the the different level of competition. But the Senior Bowl is really where he stood out. This is a guy who's physical. He shoves back on the inside blockers. 
Uh, didn't feel like he was out of place at the next level competition. Also had a pretty good swim move. Looks like he's a guy who can also diagnose screens well. He's not just going to plow up field and, and get beaten on those kinds of things. Just the kind of guy that's like nasty and energetic that you want on the inside of your D-line. Does seem like he's mostly a interior D lineman though. A lot of the guys we're going to talk about today, I think can float maybe a little bit with where you position him on the line, but he is mostly feels like a interior D line guy, but definitely someone who can cause some havoc on the inside. Not necessarily a day one starter, but certainly a rotational player right off the bat. All right. All right. Well, I'm going to slide over into a similar story is my, my number 12 pick here, Christian Boyd. I'm going to talk about Dwayne Carter. Um, while mm-hmm. the tape was a little bit easier, I spent so much time looking for Christian Boyd that I, I didn't get to do a super dive into Dwayne Carter, but I saw <laughs> enough to where I, I like him quite a bit. And again, mm-hmm. he's a guy that has been a, a late riser up my board. He wasn't really on my radar until, I don't know, maybe three weeks ago or so. Mm-hmm. But, um, and I think the reason being is he was on my radar last year. I looked back at some notes mm-hmm. from last year and I had him there and he hadn't really popped up. And I kind of wonder if you know some of these other media outlets are just kind of queuing into what he did last year because his <laughs> season it was awesome as a D lineman mm-hmm. last year he had eight sacks and thirty nine hurries last season right that's crazy yeah and here's and he wasn't on my radar this year he had two sacks and eighteen hurries which is kind of mm-hmm. on par with like the next like six but right I don't know just. Duke, not I mean, they play respectable competition and whatnot, but he he graded out solid, you know, around the seventy range. But I'm telling you, man, I, I checked out, just poked around a little bit to see if we were crazy and missing somebody and mm-hmm. we weren't, but I'm here to tell you, this is a guy that I'm seeing ranked as like a top five D lineman. I don't see that at all. But I, I really like him. Um he's to your point, this is a guy that's got to be more on the inside. This guy doesn't have any type of bend or anything like that, but um, he, he's solid. He's he's got good power. You can tell, you know, that he, he's a run game guy, and mm-hmm. I don't know. He, he's flexible, looks strong. Just he just looks like a solid like core D lineman. But I don't I don't see the top four or five D lineman buzz yet. So I don't know if you made your list or not, but I'm curious to see where he goes throughout the process. Okay, he is in that next group of guys that I couldn't quite put in the top 12 yet, so I'll be curious. I also haven't done a ton of digging on him yet, so i got to work on that myself. Me either. So those are the last two. Everybody else, I promise, I got some dives on. All right, 11 for me. I mentioned the name uh, when we were talking about the guys that just missed the cut for you, and that's Michael Hall Jr. As much as I don't like putting Buckeyes on my list, there was enough going on for this guy to make me curious about him and watch him watch some of the senior bowl stuff again 62280 so he's a little bit undersized but as a result of that you're going to see him yeah he's a b gap guy but he's a b gap guy that you can kind of put outside a little bit here if you need to as well and even though he only had the two sacks still had 30 total pressures pretty much this season so not as great as you'd like to see maybe from some guys coming in there uh, but again his run defense was okay pass rush was all right and it's one of those things where I was struggling to see where the split line was going to be for me the reason why I put him 
over some of the other guys on here is I liked the way he moved. He cut inside well, did a lot of hand fighting, was good at driving players back, but also could get the swim move around centers and some of those inside guys. Uh, the biggest criticism I have for Hall as you look back at some of his, uh, his tape is it seems like he's got a decent chunk of missed tackles. And I know that that sometimes is a thing for interior linemen because they probably credit him for a missed tackle when they only get one arm on a guy because the other one's being pinned by an offensive lineman. But still, uh, that's an area where I'd be a bit concerned about him at the next level that it looked like two years in a row he was missing 15-plus percent of his tackles, and that's not a number that you want to see for a player going forward. But enough there to see, to be curious about. I still think we're talking about you know day three guys at this point, but he's someone who can fit into a rotation and, and make something interesting happen potentially. All right, Dan, number 10 for me. Um, you know how I cracked a joke there on my last player about how, like, somewhere around the two-sack range and 17, mm-hmm. 18 hurries is, like, the next six guys? It, it really kind of sort of is that. Um, <laughs> but I got Tyler Davis here, okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, 6'2", 300 pounds, like him a lot. He's a guy that, you know, with the exception of the statistics, on paper, I like him quite a bit. I mean, this guy's a freak, sure. okay? When we checked yeah. out the freak list, for Bruce Feldman, he's on here. Dude's benching over mm-hmm. 400 pounds. Um, he, like he's he's going to do 225 north of 30 times. Sure. Um, so he might not win the bench, but he he's going to be up there. Pretty right up there. I've heard he's squatted almost 500 and power cleaned like 350. <laughs> Dude's yeah. just an animal. And you know what? Mm-hmm. He's also supposed to be running a sub 540, which is really good for someone of that size on the D line. Yeah. So again. He's a guy that I feel like I was hoping and wishing would be much higher on this list. But when I talk about all this, you draw up a D lineman in a lab, it spits him out. Pretty but close, yeah. I wasn't, I wasn't expecting just two sacks and 18 hurries with all that. Mm-hmm. So I don't You were expecting last year when he had seven sacks and 22 hurries. Yeah, I can't explain the drop. Right. I, 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 don't, I don't know. I mean, I get it. You know what's he, weird about that drop, though? Here's the thing, and I have no idea because I'm not sure if Clemson used him differently, and I'm jumping in here because he's number nine for me. So I agree with you. Oh, I want carry to be on, on the list I've, already been, I've already been going. No, you're good. Uh, here's the thing. When you when I looked at the tape and looked at the PFF, he went from an 82-9 last year to an 85-5 this year. So he actually went up in his PFF grade because even though his pass rush was down a little bit, his run defense went up eight points. Yeah, so I don't I know saw if that, Clemson was telling even... him. He doesn't even look like as strong as he is, as big as he is. Why does he not look like he just plays with like the nastiness that you want from somebody Here's playing the in the I interior of a trench? I you don't know thing? if he has the nasty. That's what I'm I saying. I don't think so what either. I do know, what I do think no he sense. does. True, I understand that. But what I do think he does well, though, is his technique is solid. He's a penetrating kind of guy. He's got good hands. The one thing that I saw from the highlights I was watching, he shifts down the line left and right really well. So he can he can you know move with running the running game really well. And that's a talent that not because a lot of these guys, especially some of the interior smaller guys, are just up the field all the time, up the field all the time. This guy can diagnose and slide. And so he doesn't maybe have, like I said, you know, like Fisk and those guys, doesn't maybe have the nasty streak that you see with other players, but he is a very sound run defender, which is not something you see as much coming out with guys of his size. And so that's curious. I don't know if Clemson told him, hey, we want you to focus on the run this year, or if that's just how it worked out for him. But it is. It's one of those things that if I'm sitting in the interview room with this player at the Combine, I'm asking him, hey, can you talk to me about why these numbers are different from this year to last year? What changed? And let him explain himself and then ask him about scheme stuff. I don't want to give him a head, you know, uh, an out, but I'd be curious to know what he has to say about that. But I still think he is 
one of the better D linemen in this draft. And I think after the combine, he may not go up here on my list because you know, how we try to slot guys not based off just their workouts, but he will definitely get some love coming out of the combine with the numbers he's probably going to post. Yeah, I, especially when it comes to the strength and just pure speed. I, I'm, I bet, like mm-hmm. you said, he moves up and down the line, so he could be he could be agile for his size as well. You never know. Why don't you do well, your number nine, then I'll kick in ten. <laughs> oh man, my number nine. He might be the single most frustrating player in the entire draft for me, Dan. Uh oh. Um, it, it's Leonard Taylor. Sorry, I, I, I'm I'm stalling on. <laughs> I this knew because I didn't, no, I knew that's who it would be. Uh, you you know everything I just said about Tyler Davis, and you, you draw mm-hmm. up a, a D lineman in a lab, like amplify it a little more and it probably puts out this guy i mean this guy sure. i'm not comparing him to like he doesn't have the build of aaron donald let's be honest but um no six this is just one of those guys that you, that's what he's listed yeah at. yeah but you just look at him and he's like for 300 pounds this guy does not have a lot of squish on him you know no. what i mean i don't know he just he's built solid he is fast he's quick mm-hmm. off the line he has mm-hmm. appears to have great instincts Mm-hmm. Wow, how does he produce nothing? He's got like one sack and like 17 hurries or something. Mm-hmm. And he had three sacks last year, which he thought was like a, a launch pad for this year where he was going to get up in that six, seven sack range. And, and he went down happen. three's not. Yeah. I don't know what it is with him, but I, he is the most frustrating. When I look at this guy, not only does he physically look like he should be the best mm-hmm. D lineman in this class, but like you even look at like, how he moves and the instincts mm-hmm. it appears that he has. And it seems like it's all there until it doesn't. Yeah. And, and frustrating. Who, why is the question? He I had three good answer. games this year. He had three yeah. games where he had like a solid, you know, PFF score. And then he got the one sack in one of those. And that was Bethune Cookman and Temple, which, and I saw the sack that he had was like a grasping one arm out and just barely got the guy down. And so I wrote down, I've got him at seven because I'm still relying on the potential of what, what he could be. And the fact that he had a good year uh, last year, a, but the, he, he could easily, he could easily slide back. Uh, but here's the thing. Uh, I, I said, he looked a little lazy out there this year. Like there's something about how he's playing the game right now that just doesn't seem like he's either not comfortable in the scheme he's got or he doesn't really care as much to get out there. And again, I'm not saying he doesn't care, but I'm saying it doesn't look like he cares as much as we think he should for how he's going to go about this going in the NFL. I don't know, man. Well, that was my number seven. So I'm going to go back to my number 10. We're just bouncing around everywhere today. But <laughs> You're 10 all over me, the place. I know, right? 10 for me is another guy from Clemson, and that's Rook Horohoro, which is just a fun name to say. And I will continue to say it because it's it's a fun name. This is another guy that is definitely on the not on the freaks list, but darn near it. I mean, he had five sacks this year, right? Six four two ninety five, so a slightly different body style than Tyler Davis. But this is a guy who is explosive, who plays nastier, who plays more with an edge, I think, than Davis does. Uh, he gets in passing lanes, does the stunts really well. He's an explosive guy, shoves off the blocks, and he's just the kind of player that you want on your team out there. He's definitely uh, mostly lined up in the B gap. They shifted him around a little bit on the line, uh, but he is someone who I feel like you go either direction with him on the line somewhere. Cause at six, four, two either you're going to put 10 or 15 pounds on him and just stick him in the middle as an athletic interior D lineman, or you could maybe try to slim him down five, 10 pounds and put him on the edge. If a team gets, if he's, I think he could do three, four or four, three. So there's a lot of potential versatility with him, but he didn't do anything outstanding in the sense that made me want to put him higher on this list, at least where I'm at right now. He's another guy I think will test well at the combine, though. 
uh, well, I, I tend to try to save my takes for when, when we get to those players. But um, go ahead. I've I've got them higher. I'll keep. I won't do it all right now. I'll save just a little <laughs> bit for later. But I, I wanted to add that like the two things you highlighted. One thing for sure, he plays nastier than Davis, but. Um, Rook's going to test very well at the Combine, and I think he's going to move up a lot of boards. I love the athletes. That's a good chance, yeah. Would not surprise me at all. You can dive into him a little more later on when you get to Mm -hmm. wherever he's at on your list. So who's number eight for you? Uh, Number eight is another love-hate one here. Um, He's Mm -hmm. probably going to move up the list. I feel like my bias is working against me with Chris Jenkins (laughs) being a Michigan guy. Okay. Because I like the way he plays. I like everything he, he – I mean, dude, Chris Jenkins, he holds his own against the run. He, mm-hmm. he Like, he's smart. He's instinctive. He's strong. Mm-hmm. He's agile. Like, he's, he's – what is he? What did he actually weigh in? I forgot to even look. Is he at like 300, 305, something he's, like yeah, that? Yeah, right in that ballpark, yeah. Man, he's allegedly been clocked at running like a seven-flat three-cone, which you know Insane. for edge rushers. Yes, which is like the most translatable stat. I always say that mm-hmm. for edge rushers and maybe even D linemen. But like, if you rub a or rub, if you run a sub, I made run and sub uh, one word. See what I did <laughs> if you run a sub seven three cone and you're an edge rusher, like that is such a translatable number. It's not even sure. funny. So if he can, well, do we're that, talking about him as a D interior D line uh, guy yes, too. Yes. But so I mean, you get it. There, there's mm-hmm. a ton. There's a ton that I like about him, but it's only like the run game. He leaves me wanting so much more for the pass part of it, so he can be a mm-hmm. complete. I think that's what it is. I just don't see him as a complete player when I feel like he should be, especially being like 23 come draft day. Like, right? Yes, that's me slapping my head. I don't know what else <laughs> to say. Sorry. Sure. I, I, I do like him it. a lot. I, I do like him mm-hmm. a lot. I just feel like. When I watch him, I just yeah, I always want so much more from him. Right. Well, I'll give you a little bit of Chris Jenkins' love a little later on. Uh, eight for me is a guy that didn't make your list, and I told you I'd tell you why you're wrong about him, and that's Mikai Wingo. He's 6'1", 295, so he's a little bit shorter than what you like to see maybe for a defensive lineman. Not necessarily lighter, but he's definitely a stocky guy. Here's the thing. The dude missed half this season and still had five sacks. So that right there is a good sign for a man who's rushing from the interior that he can come out here. And again, you can sit back and say, oh, well, he had good teammates. Like, yeah, sure. But he also had probably the best season of those teammates. And that right there is a sign on a defense that wasn't great. He was one of the the brighter spots that they had. And watching his tape and seeing how he does things, uh, he can do the B gap. He can do outside of that, too. Like if you need to have him you know, rushing the passer from the from the edge, he can handle that. Uh showed versatility the guy played well as a freshman even at missouri had like a 40 yard interception return for a touchdown at missouri so you know he's gonna be able to move well had four sacks last year five sacks this year didn't generate as many pressures obviously because he only played the first seven games of the year pretty much so there's a lot of potential there and again it's one of those guys that i'm putting here based off of what i think he has the ability to continue to move into versus maybe some of the other guys that are again fifth six-year guys he's technically only had i think three full seasons of playing football so that right there encourages me that as long as he can stay healthy he's going to be a very solid player and another guy who's going to hopefully get to test at the combine you can see him moving up a little bit because of those numbers as well so you know why he didn't make my list because you're a hater 
and maybe you have the answer for me, but I'm just holding out to the combine. Mm-hmm. As far as I know, and I know you like I, they never told me what it was. I know it was lower body, but I don't know what right. he had surgery on. I don't know the nature of this injury. Fair so enough. I didn't know the exact details, so there's just a little asterisk next to him. And well, while we're talking about asterisks and right, well, while we're talking about asterisks and uh, and things and, and numbers of players getting drafted, you neglected to mention how many guys at the interior mm-hmm. of the D line usually get drafted. So you got a got a ballpark for realize, us how many guys we're going to talk about. I realized that a couple picks ago, or well, I guess <laughs> lists ago, whatever you're going to say, but I was going to wait till the halftime. But now you queued me up. There you go. So, for D-line, last five years, average 20 players in the last five years. And if you go back all the way to 2008, it's 21. So, okay. these are all so he's pretty, definitely top pretty 20. consistent. I don't know why I even say it, because all of them are li- – every single position's literally within one variant up or down of it's either the last five it? years to the 2008. It is extremely mm-hmm. consistent. Yeah, and again, so what I can tell you is there's no real word on what the injury was because they're just talking about it being a lower body That's, injury. Exactly. That's but, why I, I just put an asterisk, and I was like, I, yeah. got, I need more information. I can tell you that in some of the photos of him doing drills, he's got knee braces on both knees which isn't necessarily out of the ordinary for interior guys anyways, but that's just something that, you know, we'll, we'll see how that plays out for him. Who's number seven for you? Uh, number seven for me, um, he moved down my list a little bit, and I think it's mm-hmm. just due to the me psychologically freaking myself out about why he didn't weigh in at the Senior Bowl. So, yes, it's Devondre <laughs> Sweat. All right. Uh, I can't figure Hating. out why a guy who's 360-ish pounds – decides not to win. I'm like what is he is he at 380 what is going on why is he not why man i feel like i have to he educate you on some of these players man he freaked me out <laughs> he freaked me out but it, the reason it freaks me out is because of things we've already touched on at that weight how long can you go so what's the longevity of your career even if he is 360 like he's supposed to be mm-hmm. still how long can you go so, I mean, naturally at that size, like, you know, he, he's lacking some of the explosiveness. So, um, can you really put, you know, I, despite him, he actually had some better pass rushing numbers than pretty much everybody we've talked about so far with the exception of my Christian Boyd, Boyd cat. But mm-hmm. um, he's a Panther, see, I called him a cat. Uh, he's got, because <laughs> he had a couple sacks and like 26 hurries. I mean, that's a mm-hmm. little bit better, not a ton than the other people, at least on my list, I understand, you know, but I, I can't, are you really going to draft a guy that high that could potentially have a shorter career and might only be a run stuffer? I am once again going to tell you why you're wrong later on. So I don't want to answer that well, question. Dude, right this is a guy I was pounding the table for for a long time. <laughs> at one point in time, he was my number mm-hmm. one guy, but uh, I'm, yeah, I'm, I think in, number one's I'm, pushing in, it. I'm in the overreaction mode right now. So I really enjoy this is. mode. This is one of my favorite modes when JP has the pendulum swinging on certain players. It's very fun for me to watch. But but the pendulum always ends up being pretty darn okay come draft. By the end of it, yeah. The question is where we're going to be with with the end of it. I'll tell you. I'm in. You know, like when you're doing a fantasy (laughs) football draft and you're on the clock Mm -hmm. and you're in tilt Mm -hmm. mode. I'm on tilt. I think I'm on tilt (laughs) mode with the whole entire D line class. This is the hardest one we've done since we've done the individual 
top 12s. I agree with you, especially because this has been fun because you and I are usually pretty close to sync on a lot of the guys with a couple here and there, uh, whereas on this one, we're all brutal. over the place, and it's fun. We're both agreeing that we're talking about good players, but where we're slotting them is all over the place. So let's let's pause. Get your tilt. Pause your tilt for a minute, and let's I'm talk tilting. about some beer instead. Now, I actually... I know we've talked about how we have been cutting back on the beer. I've got my last week of my fitness challenge going on here, so I'm doing one today. I did do a little bit for Super Bowl, and uh, yesterday I was at uh, Broadleaf doing trivia again, so I do have a bunch of beer that I could talk about, but I'd rather have you talk about the one that you are drinking right now from a place near and dear to your heart. Yeah, man. O- Old Nation Brewery's like just a hop, skip, and a jive down the road here. So, um yeah, they had a, a, a newer beer, or at least a beer that was newer to me that I hadn't seen. It's got to be newer. I, I feel like I would have, <laughs> you know, like seen it or tried it. But Right. Uh, and speaking of tilt mode, now that I'm looking at the side of the can, I probably should have tilted this thing or rolled it around a little bit. Oh, it, says, yes. Don't freak out. <laughs> it says, don't freak out sediment and what you can do about it. And it's got a couple mm-hmm. steps for options you can do. I won't read through them all and bore you, but sure. it's the... I call it the my, 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 but it's like the abbreviation for the state of Michigan. So it's M-I, M-I, M-I. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Maybe I don't know what they want to call it. Well, they were they were but, going for that. My, my, my. That's what they were going for. Right. Well, dude, it's a triple New England style India Pale Ale. Um, That's extra. I haven't had a ton of triple hazies. Mm-hmm. A handful, for sure, but not a ton. It's coming in a, just a touch over 10% alcohol by volume. There's four different hops in this thing with the Magnum Citra and then two Michigan ones with the Chinook and the Crystal. So there you go. That's, that's, that's why I was intrigued. Um, mm-hmm. What I'll tell you, though, is it's not – it doesn't have like the – when you get some of the triples, especially with IPAs, maybe it's just different mm-hmm. with hazies. But you know how you can go either one way where it's a, the flavor is like – full on and almost too overpowering right. to where it's like I can't drink a full and this is a pint. This is a sixteen ounce can. So it's like mm-hmm. if you don't it's tough to get through if you're not enjoying it. But or it can seem like it's like because like when it gets that powerful flavor, it's almost like it's overly sweet. Haven't you noticed yep. like as you get up from a single to a double to the triple, like the somehow it gets sweeter and less bitter. Mm-hmm. And there's a little bit of sweet on here, but it's still very much like a hazy ipa that's very refreshing and scary crushable for a triple (laughs) you know what Mm -hmm. i mean i I enjoy it a ton but it's got all your usual notes um i guess the only thing that i would say that's different about this one with it being the sweeter you know like you get hazies and you get like the orange citrus Mm -hmm. maybe even like a little lemon or a lime citrus you know like the more the bitter citrus right this is more of like a a pineapple, a fresh pineapple, not like sure, it's so right. sweet that it's got the canned syrupy stuff in it. Right. Like a pineapple citrus, just a sweeter. Mm-hmm. A little more sweet and sour going on. Yeah. Maybe Dude, mango. here's what I can tell you. Could be some mango oh, there in there, maybe. I could well, see I've got to try that one because if, if, if you, anybody's been paying attention, you and I have talked about this, the double IPAs, like the double hazies, the double New Englands, are one of my new favorite varieties. So i got to imagine triple is going to be just as much fun because, again, it has the flavor of the, the hazy that I like, but it packs the punch of a normal IPA with a little more bitterness to it, but not the sweetness. So I feel like that's really drawn just right down the middle of my, what I like in my, my beer. After hearing myself break this beer down, I just took a sip. It's a, it's got to be one hundred percent pineapple. Now I got to go to the brewery and ask them. It's pineapple. You are a pineapple guy, so only you like no, yourself some only, pineapple. Only if it's fresh pineapple. I hate everything pineapple flavored. I hate yeah. canned pineapple. I literally only like 
real fresh pineapple that you cut mm-hmm. in the moment, and then it's incredible. Anything else well, is awful. It's either it's hilarious or it's terrible. Hilarious that you say that, and yet you love banana-flavored runs. Yes. <laughs> all right. Well, I'm drinking something completely different. And Only I in comparison one... to the other runs, though. Let's be honest. All runs are bad. That's just yeah, the best fair. of the options. Okay, I'll give you that. But the, this is one that uh, I grabbed from Founders, and I don't know if you got a chance to try this one or not, but this is Call Your Mom. And no, this one, heard of they that. made they made this in collaboration with Sweet Batches, which, you know, that's just such a fun play on words, right? So this was one of the Advent Calendar exclusives that one of my buddies hooked me up with because he had an extra one. Uh, this is ma- uh, maple cinnamon brown ale with vanilla and sea salt. And you know what this tastes mm. like, dude? Like on the back end especially. Like on the front end, you get the cinnamon, you get the vanilla, you get the brown ale piece. This tastes like, and I know we've had some of these beers before, it tastes like French toast on the back end, dude. Really? It really mm. does have a French toast taste to it. So I feel like I'm doing like breakfast for dinner right now. And so it's, it's again, it's 7.6, so it's not crazy high and up there, but it's definitely more than, you know, your typical ones. But it does the brown ales proud, and it's easy to sip, but it's also sweeter than I generally like. Like, I can tell on my lips, it's a little bit of sugar residue there, which I'm not used to, but it's not too sweet. Because, again, you and I are not a fan of the crazy sweet beers. Mm-hmm. This, one's, this one's sweeter than I like, but it's not too sweet. It has just enough with the cinnamon and uh, the, the sea salt in there to counteract the sweetness to where it's not overpowering with the maple. So call your mom, which, by the way, for all of you out there that are listening to this, call your mom. She misses you. Yeah. If she's no longer with us, then, you know, call the next best mother figure you have in your life. You, call you your might mom. have to grab one of those bottles and save it for your boy. If I can find it, I will. We'll see. There you go. All righty, that takes us through a little bit of a beer break for halftime. Let's jump into the second half of these players, and uh, at least one or two we've already heard a little bit about here or there. But who do you have at number six? The second half always goes faster, but uh, number six, this will (laughs) definitely be fast because we've both already talked about him. But this is Ruka Horo Horo. Gotcha. Did I miss an Oro in there? I don't know. Maybe. Um, But anyhow, dude, I just – I like the guy. I, mm-hmm. I like the motor, the nastiness, the athleticism, the size, the length, everything about him. Just the reason that he's here and above everybody else on my list is he's got something that nobody else has, with the exception of maybe, maybe Christian Boyd, if I can ever get a, some footage on the guy. <laughs> but this is the first guy on my list that I can confidently say, as an interior D lineman, can be both a, a run defensive-oriented guy and a pass mm-hmm. rush. Like, he can do both. Okay. So I see the versatility in him. He's the first one. Uh, sorry, at this point, I, I mean, I don't see it with Sweat. He's a run guy. I don't sure. see it with Jenkins. He's a run guy. Leonard Taylor trying to figure out what it is I see. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, yeah. you get it. So mm-hmm. uh, first guy that I can see do both. So, yeah, who, who do you got? Well, I've got a guy you've already talked about, and that's Chris Jenkins sitting here at six for me. I got him in the top half because I know you talked about him, and so I'm not going to you know jump into all the extra bits and pieces there, but I agree with you. Very good run defender, pushes blockers well. Uh, I like how he can fight through double teams, but again, I put down there, there's like not a lot of counting stats with the question marks. He doesn't pack the stat sheet. That's not his thing, but PFF loves him. He had some great grades, uh, but he's so good with the run defense, and I feel like diagnosing things, there's going to be a spot for him in the NFL. And he is still one of the better options, I think, out there. That being said, he could shuffle up and down depending on how some of those testing numbers work out. And again, Ohoro Horo is a guy definitely that I think we're both keen on maybe moving up into some some different spots, certainly. Number five. Uh, number five, so kind of the same reasons as Ohoro Horo here. I feel like he can play the run and the pass. 
He actually mm-hmm. had one more sack, but less pressures, I believe, than what Horo Horo had. Um, but it's a guy that you definitely had way lower on your list. I, I got Braden Fisk up here, man, at 6'5", okay. 297. Dude, I, I love the length. I love what I had seen at, at the Senior Bowl and even, you know, making the jump to Florida State. Yeah, he showed he can hang in there. Um, he was hanging in there at the Senior Bowl. But, dude, he – He's quick off the snap, whether it be for mm-hmm. the pass, for the, uh, you know, and, and, and run. He recognizes stuff quick. He's got the, he's got some good footwork. He's got violent hands. I mean, I mean, the only, I guess the only thing that I I would see is sometimes, because he's definitely more of a pass guy. I think sometimes he gets a little eaten up when it comes to to the the run game. Like he's pushing you a little know, too if, hard. If you, well, just I, it's almost like he can. It just looks like sometimes the the guards or a really good guard or a good center can just, you know, swallow him up and mm-hmm. like bear hug him and he's done. You know what I mean? Sure. It, it, it's over. I feel like once he gets locked up on the point of attack, he's not getting off that, and he's definitely not getting out any double teams. So <laughs> I don't know. That's I actually I actually liked Ohoro Horo better, but. Uh, Fist jumped up one after I just got excited watching the Senior Bowl. So we'll, we'll <laughs> see where he goes. Uh, maybe he mm-hmm. goes a little bit down on my list, but I think he definitely is going to probably come up on your list. But yeah, again, we'll see. It's going to be line class is crazy. I said there's going to be a lot of chop and change and guys shuffling around. Oh, you. The more I'm talking about everybody, yes, this position is going to change more than any other position we've there's covered good so chance. far. It should be fun to see where everybody ends up. Well, number five for me is a guy that wasn't even on the list uh, coming into probably senior bowl stuff for me. And this is a guy that, look, everybody loved. Oh, it's the same guy the that I have bowl. at four. Is it Darius Robinson? I have Darius Robinson at four. There you go. All right. Well, let's talk about him while we're at it. And I'll give you my notes so you can jump in with him. The dude's, uh, he's very much a hybrid guy. He can do the edge, he can do the D line. But again, at 6'5, 294, you'd expect him to have some versatility. Uh, it, he's definitely a guy who's going to move all over the formation. But 42 total pressures, nine sacks this year. A great strength speed combination. He owned the interior guys uh, at the, the Senior Bowl. I do feel like he can use some more refinement to his technique. He has, it, it almost feels like some of the highlights we saw of him. He had a tendency to lock in to try to just win the one-on-one battle and not see what was going on around him and not just get past the blocker almost. It's almost like he wanted to physically impose his will in a little tug of war with this guy rather than just getting around him. Uh, but he also could split double teams well. Basically, he just feels like a matchup nightmare, and he he reached another level this year. Last year was good. This year was great. So, I mean, yeah, he's like he, he he's a guy that neither one of us talked a ton about. I feel I talk, actually I you know what's crazy is I talked a, a lot about him off the air, not necessarily with you, <laughs> but my my buddy Josh, um, who's from Missouri. Uh, mm-hmm. Always, yeah. He's a he's not a big draft guy at all. But he's like, hey, where do you got my boy Robinson at? Because he's a big Missouri Tiger, <laughs> and of course, I'm ignoring him right now because he's just completely unbearable with the <laughs> Chiefs chatter. Yeah, right now. So, yeah. but I was like, you know, man, like I've got him written down, uh, and I keep wanting to like look at him, but I just mm-hmm. I can't figure out where to put him. So I just hadn't talked about him yet because I honestly don't know what position he's going to play in the NFL, and I think you nailed it. I don't think he, he's just going to play on the line. On the and line. And he's just going to go up and down. But the reason, the mm-hmm. main reason I had trouble with it is this guy, you know, he's a huge, he's 6'5", allegedly in the 290 range. 
Right. So it's like I'm like, Massive. yeah, he's a hundred percent a D lineman, and then and he played that for three mm-hmm. years, and then they move him on the outside. And I'm like, what the heck? And then I'm like, oh, he was clocked at running <laughs> in the four sevens. Right. Seriously, yeah. I'm like, you're two ninety something and running in the four sevens. I'm like, that's insane. Okay, that one I'll believe it when I see it because we don't right. know that yet. But mm-hmm. if that happens, he's he's going to be one of the combine. Like he's already going up people's radar. If he runs in the four mm-hmm. sevens, it's not. It's you done. know, yeah, it's, come early March, he's going to be a first there. round. He's going to be a first round pick. But like, someone will definitely take him. If the I, Raiders were in the back half of the first round, they'd definitely take him. But dude, and at two ninety something, they slide him out to the outside, mm-hmm. and he still gets nine sacks. So like, I right. get it. I get the ball. And you know what, Dan? You know what? There's a very good chance that this is the pick for the Lions at 29 because we just hired the coach sure. from the Senior Bowl where this guy generated all the buzz. And, oh, by the way, mm-hmm. the coach is from Missouri. <laughs> so he knows everything about the guy. Mm-hmm. And this is going to be a late riser. And, oh, yeah, Detroit loves to move people around on the D-line. Like, this might right. be the most – like, he, we might, we're going to have to go this guy. Dude, two weeks ago, I was scared about that being the pick. Now I'm kind of excited. Is that bad? <laughs> I still don't know. I'm still sure. back like I was the whole season with my buddy Josh. Mm-hmm. Going, Josh, I don't know, man. I don't know what to say about him. I don't know what. I don't right. know what position he plays, okay? <laughs> I just don't. We'll no figure idea. him out as we go. But uh, that's who I got at five. That's who you've got at four. So we kind of took care of that spot. Who I've got at four is probably who I'm guessing you've got at three. Uh, maybe or maybe he's at two for you, but that's Brandon Dorless uh, out there at Oregon, and I know he is that's, one of the boys that you love him. Three. Yeah, I you love, love him. So we'll keep rolling with the guys going up. So I'll give you my take, and I'll let you do the rest of it because I know you're even you're higher on him on the list, but also just in general the whole season you have. been. he rolls off blocks really well. He, I can tell he's an opportunistic guy. He just knows where to go, where the ball is. He seems like he's because some guys again we talked about it, just like Rah, go after the passer, whatever. Right? But he seems like he analyzes things pretty well. Uh, can line up inside or outside. He's all over the formation. Consistent production. The big thing this year for him, uh, the two things that I noticed is one, his tackling numbers are much better this year. So that is something that if that improves for an interior D lineman is huge because those guys sometimes don't even have the opportunity to to get, you know, good tackling numbers. So that's one piece of it. And then also he does a good job getting his hands up in the passing lane. There were several highlights that he had that were him knocking down passes. And that's the thing that some guys forget. It's like if you are losing your battle or you're at a stalemate, whatever, with the offensive lineman, get up. Because that ball is coming out of the quarterback's hand sometime soon. Get your hands up in the air and knock it down. He does a great job of that. And he's also a pretty darn athletic guy for the look of things at the size he is. Yeah, I mean, I've talked about him on a million episodes, so you can go back and review that. (laughs) I'll just say two things. One, um, I left him at three because he has 108 hurries in the last three years. Yeah, that'll do. That is insane from the inside and everybody knows the most difficult thing to defend in today's NFL is a pass rush from the inside. Mm -hmm. So, okay. Even if he's not getting a ton of sacks, guess what? You put him on the inside and you got someone on the outside, like a, like a Garrett or a Hutch or Mm something like it's going to be offenses are going to have a headache, but I almost moved him down a little bit when he weighed in at 272, man, I got a lot of concerns, which is why I say, right. I have concerns with every single player we've talked about so far. The only ones I don't have concerns about are the remaining two. Mm-hmm. Fair. I'm not going to argue with you about any of that stuff. The guy that I've got sitting at three, though, 
uh, while we're moving through there is a guy that you had further down your list, and that's Devondre Sweat. And I understand the issue. Uh, it mm-hmm. is a real concern because, generally speaking, we've trended and seen guys in the NFL that come in at that physical, those physical numbers, whatever his weight is, and I think what six four. You you are concerned with the longevity of the career. You're concerned with how they handle their weight because handling your weight at 21, 22 is different than handling your weight at 31, 32. And so that is by far the question of it. where's his endurance at, where's his weight at. That being said, this is a guy who still pretty much physically dominated everybody he came up against at the Senior Bowl at whatever weight he didn't want people to know he was. So that shows me that even if he was 380, he was still mauling people and able yeah, to do he, the job. I, I'm with you 100%. Like I said, that's why it's more the longevity of it and the fact right. that he's only a run-stuffing guy. Here's the thing, too. This dude Ish. can get up. Ish. He's not going to he be right. Up. My point being, he's blocked kicks. Like, I mean, yeah, I, I realize he's 6'4", so he can get his hand up, but he he's can an get an off the ground, guy. too. He's got he the is, He's an effort guy. He is a people mover. He's still able to penetrate. Uh, he's able to lean on blockers, get leverage, as well as push him back. He's got a decent swim move, even. Uh, again, good at getting hands in the passing lane. So this is a dude who is very much, can he keep the weight in check? If yes, then you're good. And because he's going to go into rotation in the NFL where he's not going to be expected to be a three-down lineman necessarily all the time, uh, I'm sure there's going to be some situation where they leave him on the field for three downs, but all of the time he's probably going to have to go hard for two plays and then get out again. This is a player who is going to be, in the right defensive system, incredibly game-changing for them. You put him, like we've done a few times, on the line with Will Anderson Jr. next to him in Houston, that's a dangerous combination of players to put next to each other because of what they can do size and speed. I, I do not disagree with you, sir. Um, number two on my list, um, rather interesting. Um, I could still go either way with my top two being mm-hmm. flip-flopped. Um, but for the meantime, I have Drazon Newton at two. Yeah, we're still flip-flopped. Don't worry. I got him at one, so. I know he got well, two. I know he got uh, it one, and we got the same guys. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, we may as well just do both things together. Yeah, I will say this: I feel like Jerzon Newton probably is more deserving of being number one because he's got more consistent. Like he's got two years of very solid tape, like almost seventy right. hurries in the in, in the past two years. He had six, no, eight sacks. I want to say, yeah, eight, eight sacks this past season. Um, he, he, he's putting up numbers, man. Like right. he's statistically good. He's got great size at, you know, like six two two ninety five ish. That's, I mean, mm-hmm. that's pretty much what you draw up in a lab. He just, he's to me, he's almost maybe, is he like the, he's like the Adonai Mitchell. I like Adonai. <laughs> I like doing that now. We're like, he's just great at everything. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? But I, I don't know that. Other than motor and effort, I don't know if he's just got that one true attribute that just makes it like he doesn't have the trump card. Sure. You know what I mean? He's not going to wow you with speed or strength and mm-hmm. even the size. It's what he's got just ideal at everything. You know what I yeah. mean? He's very good at a lot of things. Is he amazing at any one specific thing? Not necessarily, but he's still shown he can do multiple sack games. Yeah. He did that against Northwestern and against Kansas this year. Uh, he really didn't have. He only had one game where he was kind of at or below average, so all the way, and that was because he missed some tackles. But all the way around, this is a guy who has been solid for two seasons in a row. And when you have that kind of production at the size, at the position, in the Big Ten where teams are going to run the ball at you, uh, I still like him as number one. But I agree with you that between him and Byron Murphy the second, uh, it is 
splitting hairs at this point. And that's and that's a testament to Murphy as well, because Newton has been kind of the top guy most of the season, and it's not necessarily that he's fallen from that perch. Murphy's just risen up to meet him. I don't disagree with that. But, I mean, that'll be our nice little segue right into Murphy. I mean, Murphy, you know, he... He's he's got very 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 good size too, just the same. I mean, he's like six one three zero eight, so he's a little mm-hmm. heavier, just a, a notch shorter, allegedly. Right. Um, what I will say is, he, he, both these guys are fairly young too. But um, mm-hmm. you know, he's thirty six hurries and six sacks, so he's proved all that. But he doesn't have two years of that, you know, just stat production. But I think mm-hmm. the main thing for me is, is this guy. He might just have the difference maker with the freak. I'm going to go back to Feldman's list. This guy's sure. squatting 500 and power cleaning over 400. That's in absolutely bananas. <laughs> like that, yeah. to mm-hmm. me, power cleaning 400 pounds, that's all. That's more impressive than Darius Robinson at 290 running a 4.7. I don't know, 4.75 <laughs> or whatever he's running. Sure. Yeah. I, do you know what that is? Four hundred pounds on a power clean? It's insane. But, that, think about but it. it also, but it also raises questions for me. I'm like, dude, this guy's a freaking superhero. How did he mm-hmm. not end up with double digit sacks and fifty pressures? I don't know. So, <laughs> and again, but that, that's I, just, also I, I put him, I put him, I put him there just because I feel like he's the one that's got the trump card, and I feel like they're the mm-hmm. best two to me. I will say this: I believe that Newton has the higher floor, and Murphy has the higher ceiling. When you look mm-hmm. at the way these, which is interesting to say, because I looked it up, these guys are uh, were, these guys were born two weeks apart, so they're almost yeah. the same age. They're almost mm-hmm. the same across the board for a lot of things. Murphy does look like he has the potential for that extra gear, but I don't know if he's going to get there. And that's and I'm not saying because I don't think he has an issue work ethic. It doesn't seem like it. Obviously, he's in the weight room like a champ. So the question is, can he get his mind around some of the little technique tweaks that he needs to do to up those numbers a little bit? But again, he had a better season this year when he did that. Uh, the one thing I will say for him uh, over Newton, and again, I still have Newton ahead of him, fundamentally we'll see where we go from this this is also a player byron murphy that ran for a touchdown in the uh, semifinal and also caught a touchdown pass earlier in the season so he has that freak ability to hop in and play uh, fullback if you need him hey, to i got a new one for you i okay. decided to kind of poke around and try to google feldman's freak list stuff here yeah murphy's also been clocked at 18 miles per hour well that's pretty sizable speed for a pretty sizable man yeah yeah. So what are we gonna what are we gonna do if he runs the same speed as uh, Darius Robinson and also can power clean four bills? And well, I, I think people's heads would explode if he gets sub uh, sub five. I think that that that'll move him up ahead of Newton and a lot of people's hey, boards. With, with with that being said, though, I think him and Newton will probably both run sub five or right around five right. flat at worst. To be honest mm-hmm. with you. And both of these guys look as, as we don't necessarily think there's going to be a ton of interior guys taken in the first round. I'd say three is probably the the high end, uh, but both of these guys should be locks for the first round. I, yes, these two I think are locks. But I do, if you're if I'm betting on it, I bet you if Vegas puts the bet on it. The over under is definitely two and a half. Yeah, just to mess with people. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, because I right. think they're the only two that go. Mm-hmm. Well, that kind of takes us through all of the guys so far. Anything you want to finish up with here? But they're going to list him as as an edge rusher. But they're going to call him an edge. 
Right. Yeah, I don't know how they're going to to break him down because again, when uh, when I looked at everything from the because again, the NFL just announced the combine list of who all was going to be in there, and they just had defensive linemen kind of all lumped together, so they haven't split out edge versus interior yet. And I'm not sure if they're going to when it comes to all the drills and stuff, but uh, I'm going to do my best to get down there and see these guys in person. And if I I'm going to do I, what I really want to do is try to like get a picture next to Devondre Sweat. Because he is six four three sixty whatever, <laughs> no, and I am five nine one sixty whatever. Try to get a picture <laughs> in between Joe Alt and Devondre Sweat. If I can find those two guys, I definitely will. It'll be hilarious. All right. Well, that wraps you us will, up for you. It. Will look like Ant Man. I, I don't even think I'll look like Ant Man. I'll look like Adam Man or something. Jeez. Oh man, it'd be hilarious. But yeah, I've always enjoyed that those kind of comparisons. We'll see what we can figure out when I'm down there. Uh, hopefully, get a chance to get down to the combine and see what's going on there. But before we get to that point, we've still got more position groups to talk about. We're gonna do the flip flop of these guys next week or next show rather. We're gonna hit up the interior offensive line, that's centers and guards, because more and more they're just pretty much a hybrid position anyway. So anything left, JP? No, I think I got, you know, I the only thing that I really had was just I can't wait to see how funny it is how positions 3 through 12 completely change based on <laughs> yeah. what thing, things we learn moving and forward. And we could see more of that again with the next position group. Well, you'll have to wait till then. We're going to have to wait till then, too, with Draft Draft. Draft.